With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Where are the winds coming from? Where, where are the winds on this schedule? Or even when? I, I will, I'll need at least one. I, I'm not, I'm not going to tolerate 0-16 from the Jets this season. But, but my God, it's, it's not promising. The Jets, the Jets are a knockout pool participant's dream right now. You can ride them for most of the season. But the real question is, how long does Adam Gase last? How long does he survive? And I'm I'm recording this shortly after the Thursday night football loss to the Broncos. Very, very early Friday morning. So it's possible that something could happen later today uh, or even over the weekend. But I've already I've seen multiple beat writers tweet that Gase is safe. So we're going to trust that for now. And if not now, if if the Jets are not going to fire him now, then when? Because 0-4, another bad loss to a bad team. And it was crazy to, to think that the Broncos were favored in this game. Both both of them 0-3 teams. The Broncos were on the road. The Broncos had the first time starting quarterback. The Jets have the veteran quarterback. But Denver was still favored. And we're now a quarter way through the season. We're one month into the season. And it was a brutal month. For the Jets, but it, it felt like the seat started getting warm for Adam Gase already after that the flat out incompetent, unwatchable offensive effort from week one. And here we are after week four, and it hasn't gotten any better. And now it's a long week. And if they were going to make a change, now would seemingly be a good time to do it. And I, I'll stand by what I said last week that I wouldn't do it because I just I don't see the point. This is a bad team. We know it's a bad team. It's obvious it's a bad team. It's a brutally bad team in terms of talent and coaching. So why bother fixing one aspect if you can't fix the other right now? And you can't really fix either. But maybe you could improve one aspect a little bit. Or maybe you could just get rid of one of the problems, one of what you know are the the, the problems. But I would just make Gase ride this out. Promoting Greg Williams would be... An equal disaster. Promoting Jim Bob Cooter, it's not fixing Darnold. If anything, if they happen to go on a three or four game win streak, it would just make them more likely to feel like they need to make the interim the full-time head coach. And I don't want that. I want a legitimate coaching search. So I think we should just kind of go with the understanding that Gase is going to be here this year. And maybe they fire him in late December, get a jump start on their next coaching search. But outside of that, I just I don't see them just erasing him and his offense right now. And for Sam, for Sam Darnold, I I want to say this about Darnold. I, I want to compliment him because I'll be completely honest. When Joe Flacco steps onto the field in this game, I thought there was a very good chance that we saw Sam Darnold take his final snap as a New York Jet. And not not because I thought the 35-year-old and career overrated Joe Flacco was going to take the reins, but because the hit that Darnold took in the first half was that bad, that vicious. It was that bad that, that I didn't think he was coming back. I thought broken collarbone. 
broke broken something. Done for the year. Jets go one and fifteen. Jets draft Trevor Lawrence and move on. But to see him so quickly get the helmet back on and get right back onto the field was shocking, to say the least. But it says so much about Darnold and the type of toughness that he has. And look, in any conversation or discussion, I think it's important to acknowledge and admit any biases you may have or or that I may have. And for most of the last year, I've been hard or mostly, I've been mostly noncommittal on Sam Darnold. And especially in the last couple weeks, not only have I been noncommittal, but I've been pretty confident in saying Darnold's not the guy. But I also admit I want to be wrong. I want to be proven wrong on that. And I want him to beat the odds. And while I still don't think that he is the Jets' future quarterback, I don't think that he's going to live up to the hype. I never rooted for him harder than I did Thursday night. So for anybody that questions his toughness because of mononucleosis, because of the injuries he's had, because he he gave that shocking admission while mic'd up on Monday Night Football last season that he was seeing ghosts against the Patriots, for anybody that questions his toughness, look at that hit he took Thursday night. Look at his shoulder get completely driven and pounded into the turf. I thought it was a 0% chance that he was getting back in that game, and I thought it was likely that Darnold was done for the year. Done for the year, they go 0-16, 1-15, 2-14, whatever it is that Joe Flacco was able to lead them to, and they draft Trevor Lawrence. But then two minutes later, he's back in the game, he's giving his all, he, he's taking hits, making some exciting throws on the run, but he's still overall playing poorly. You know, the, the first three weeks of Sam Darnold was was bad, was really bad. This week we could say he wasn't good, which I guess is an improvement. I'm not going to say he was really bad, but he certainly wasn't good. Um, but but what, is, what does that mean, really? What, what type of improvement is that? No creativity from Gase again, even late in this game. When you want Gase to go for it on fourth down, he sends out the special teams. When you don't want him to go for it, he does, and it rarely works. At 27-25, Jets are fourth and half a yard, and Gase chooses to kick the field goal, giving the Jets a one-point lead. And I, I thought you'd go for it there. Your quarterback has a, over 80 yards rushing. Let him let him grab that half yard. And then on the, the final drive, down by two, Darnold almost throws a pick on third down. Still now fourth and three from midfield with three timeouts, and they choose to go for it there. And not only do they go for it, but Gase essentially leaves Darnold hanging out to dry. He gets sacked by Chubb, but but I can't put that all on the quarterback. If you look downfield on the replay, there was nothing. Nothing. Where where was he going to go with the ball other than get sacked there? Not not only was his crutch Jamison Crowder covered, but there was zero separation from any receiver. He had zero opportunity to make a play there. The offensive line was and is terrible, and the idea that Joe Douglas was lauded in the offseason for rebuilding the offensive line was a joke. The guy was praised all over the place for the offensive line moves he made in free agency and, and during the draft. And what happened to it? The line crumbled. Mekhi Becton might wind up being a good player, but it was a pieced together offensive line with zero depth. And it's completely crumbled. And the, the sad part is the offensive line is not even their worst unit. But it would be on other teams. It's just they're a, a team missing an identity. They didn't have one going into the year, and, and they certainly don't have one now. There's not one thing that you look at the Jets and you say they do that well. 
the offensive line's bad, but how's the quarterback? The quarterback's bad, but, oh, maybe their running backs are good. Running backs are bad. How about the wide receivers? Well, maybe they have a good defense. What about coaching? Maybe they have good leadership. None of it. It's all bad. All of it. Every aspect of the team is terrible. The coaching is bad. 11 penalties for 118 yards. Six personal fouls. All of them were moronic, dumb penalties, unnecessarily aggressive, bad attempts at trying to rattle a young quarterback. And, and, and almost all of it was on the defense, including the bad face mask by Quinn and Williams. The defense is falling apart. Meanwhile, the head coach could care less. He's sitting on the bench again. But cr- credit the Jets for pissing off their opponent, though. Vic Fangio and the, the Denver Broncos could not wait to get off the field without saying, nice game just running off the field they, they were they were sick of the personal fouls the late hits the cheap shots and I, I don't blame them the Jets have a defensive coordinator who was suspended for a year he doesn't get any leeway if a team is going to think that he's having his guys dial it up in an attempt to injure somebody then they have the right to think that because it's happened before so I I, I don't know was was the week one ripping of the Jets was was that still too soon is it justified yet? At what point is it justified? Is it justified at 0-4? Does it need to get to 0-5, 0-6? How bad before that week one ripping of the Jets is justified? Because the bottom line is this. It was not just one week. You know, the, the, as bad as week one, it took us back to last year. And we remembered how bad Adam Gase was last year. And when nothing seemed to improve in week one, What made you think it was going to improve in week two? And when nothing improved in week two, what made you think it was going to improve in week three? And when nothing improved in week three, what made you think it was going to improve in week four? And I certainly don't expect it to improve for week five. Quick break on the Brandon Contest Jets podcast back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Remember when former Giants general manager Jerry Reese said Eli Manning was skittish? And, and like, people weren't exactly sure what he meant by that. They weren't exactly sure how to take it. But we all knew it wasn't good. We knew it wasn't a compliment. And that came in year four of Manning's career. And he went on to turn it around and shock the world. And he won his first Super Bowl that same season. But I think Sam Darnold is skittish. And that doesn't take away from that toughness that we were just talking about. It just means that he's jumpy, he's indecisive, and who could blame him? He's constantly getting slammed. He has no protection, no no support, no leadership on the sideline. But the stat that I found incredibly telling is that Sam's now 0-12 as a starter when taking three or more sacks in a game. 0-12 from three sacks. That's crazy. That shows me he's not able to handle getting rattled behind the line right now. That shows me he's skittish. And again, skittish is very different from toughness. He takes the hit and he's able to get back up, but he knows the hits are coming, and that throws off the game plan. And similarly, his head coach is skittish. Adam Gase can't handle needing to make a change. He doesn't adjust. He doesn't adjust in-game. He doesn't counterpunch. He doesn't get creative. 
And I, I can promise you, Sam Darnold's 46-yard touchdown was not how it was drawn up. Incredible run, incredible show of athleticism from Sam, but it wasn't in the playbook. I, I was I was thinking about this Monday night and uh, Darnold's 46-yard run and that show of athleticism kind of reminded me of it. But we had Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes on Monday Night Football, maybe the two best quarterbacks in the league. And they are incredibly athletic, which is part of what makes them so great, so dynamic, so difficult to prepare for. A dual threat, it, it seems like an incredible weapon to have that ability to pass and run. How is it possible that kids playing Madden have recognized for more than 20 years the value of having an athletic quarterback, the value of having a quarterback that can both run and throw, but it's taken the actual NFL, the general managers, presidents, coaches, and owners, it's taken them decades to figure out what all of us playing Madden found out years and years and years ago. It just it makes you wonder what would have happened if, if guys like Cordell Stewart or Ray Lucas and, and Quincy Carter, former Jets, or Aaron Brooks, if they entered the league now, what would they have been like? Because you look at, and Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes are the future. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, they're all old. And, and Ben and Aaron could move a bit in their prime, not nearly as much anymore, but it just seems like the NFL was so unnecessarily stubborn on the issue. Like, like how could they argue that a dual threat is a bad thing? How could general managers say being fast is a bad thing? Being athletic is a bad thing. What sport does that? I remember playing Madden as a kid, and like I always wanted the quarterback that could run. And everybody playing Madden wanted the quarterback that could run and throw the ball downfield. But for whatever reason in the NFL, coaches, general managers, presidents, owners were trying to avoid that up until recently. I just saw, I just saw President Trump has COVID. What a night. I, I, I mean, the irony. And although he, he portrays a, a lackadaisical attitude toward the virus, I'm sure behind the scenes he's given the, the utmost care and the uh, maximum preventative practices that you could possibly receive. And it still doesn't seem to have mattered. And then with the NFL... The Titans had an outbreak this week, and their game is canceled against the Steelers. And I tweeted this out the other day, that COVID has been so non-existent in the first three weeks of the NFL season that I almost forgot that this was bound to happen. But here we are in week four, and it's happened. And it likely will happen again at some point to some other team. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this, where and how they reschedule the game with the Steelers, because this this can happen with any team at any any time, and I'd say statistically, it likely will happen again. So now we're going to see how much how much fluidity the NFL has with the season and makeup games. And I'll just I'll say this because the NFL can't schedule double headers or squeeze a game in on any off day the way baseball does, obviously. So I would not be surprised if they need to add a makeup week or two for multiple canceled games if that happens at the end of the season. And I would not be surprised then if the Super Bowl gets pushed back. And in past years, I would say that's nearly impossible. But if you think about it, you don't have Radio Row. You don't have Fan Fest. You don't have hundreds of thousands of people with already booked flights and hotels for it. So this would be the year where it's it's kind of easy for them to push it back.
if other outbreaks cause games to to get canceled. So I, I wouldn't worry about the NFL struggling to finish the season or anything. I, I'm very confident they're going to make it work. Super Bowl is February 7th in Tampa. President's Day is the following weekend, is the, the 15th. So I'm sure they wouldn't mind moving it one week. But uh, ho- hopefully it's not an issue. But if it is an issue, I, I don't think moving the game would, would be a big problem. But we shall see. And the Adam Gase watch continues on. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Condes Jets podcast. And as always, big